Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. From the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censured. Then any opponent will be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. This is the word of God for the people of God. So I'm very excited about this short little sermon series that we have titled On My Mind at the Moment. Where Pastors David, Pastor Katrina, and myself um, have been thoughtfully observing what we, might, what we might want to preach about. It's based on what's going on around us and what we see in this season of life and in ministry. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. We plan out most of our sermon series pretty well in advance. Like right now, as of this moment, we are theoretically planned through most of next summer. And it works really nicely when current events happen and they fit with a sermon series that was planned almost a year ago, if not longer. But having the freedom to kind of look around at right now and be inspired to come up with something has actually been wonderfully freeing. But interestingly enough, even though Pastors David, Katrina, and myself had no underlying theme that all three of our sermons had to match, it still ended up happening because we hang out too much. All three of our sermons are going to end up centering around the topic of human relationships. So what's on my mind at the moment is the way that we treat each other. During this past year and a half, we've been facing what I call the COVID reality. I had the opportunity yesterday to offer a message to a group of United Methodist women um, from our uh, district, which is this kind of like small geographic area that a bunch of United Methodist churches are part of. And we talked about the COVID reality, and one of them brought forth this really great idea. I grew up in West Texas, out in Odessa, and I had many an event canceled due to a dust storm. Now, how many of you in here have ever had an event canceled because of a dust storm? Yeah, like a few of you, right? COVID reality is like a dust storm. I can see what's right in front of me. I know that it's there. I know that it's real. But it's clouded by this dust storm. And dust storms aren't, like, awesome. Like, the feeling of dust against your skin doesn't exactly feel like goose feathers. Right? It's very painful. And the COVID reality is kind of like a West Texas dust storm. We can see the things that are around us. We can see the things that are right in front of us. 
but they're tainted by something that is really painful. The COVID reality is full of opposites. It's good and also terrible. There's grief because of loss, but new connections that have been formed. There's loss of options of what we could go do, but a gain of learning so many new skills. There's exhaustion, and then the healthier side of realizing our limits. There's isolation and community. One of the things that I have loved watching during the COVID reality is how we treat each other. The stay-at-home orders last spring forced people to spend more time together with the folks in their household than they normally did. I've observed marriages strengthened, parents spending more intentional time with their children, getting to know their children. We learned how to hold space for friendships that could only happen now via electronics. I love seeing the way in which we have treated each other in the midst of the COVID reality. But just like everything else in the COVID reality, the opposite's also true. One of the things that I've hated the most about the COVID reality is watching how we treat each other. The stay-at-home orders last spring caused us to turn to mostly digital connection with one another. And I love texting, I love FaceTime, I love Zoom, and I love social media. It helps me be in connection with people that I don't see on a regular basis. But I think that it hurts our actual connection with people. Put simply, in the COVID reality, we forgot how to be kind to each other. Now, whether this existed before COVID and COVID just revealed it, or the COVID reality really brought it about, is something I go back and forth on every day. But we forgot how to have conversations with people that we might disagree with and still stay friends at the end of the day. We often found ourselves hiding behind our keyboards, typing hurtful words that we would never say to a person out loud. And even further, we found ways to bond with our friends in the ways in which we talk horrible about other people. Since it's football season, I'll give us a metaphor. I know that all of us have been on the defensive end receiving these hurtful words. We know the pain and emptiness and emotion that they cause. I also think it's fair to say that all of us have been on the offensive end of dishing out these hurtful words. Maybe even we've been the coach sitting on the sideline giving instructions to the players on how to offer the hurtful words. And then there have been situations where we've been the fans in the stadium just watching it happen between two groups of people. And I have to tell you, standing right here in front of you this morning, there are lots of things in this world that break my heart. 
that this might be one of the worst right now. The book of Titus is apparently a book of the Bible we've never heard of before. But it's a very important one, and many preachers stay very far away from it. It's the smallest epistle or fancy word for letter in the New Testament. Titus, the person, was a close, trusted friend of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Titus is addressed by Paul as brother. And we know in Hebrew culture, including familial language with someone you're not related to, is a very, very powerful thing. And Titus is actually what I have found to be a very important book to spend time in these days. It's written by Paul to Titus with instructions on how to help a church that finds themselves disagreeing on the practice of faith. So I'm surprised that preachers stay very far away from it. Congregations have been disagreeing with each other for over 2,000 years. We are not new to the game. This world is not new to the game either. Paul's focus in the book of Titus is instructions for faithful living. And the main focus of this particular level, or this particular letter, I would say, is civility. Paul isn't necessarily concerned with the actual content of the theological argument that the church is having. But Paul is concerned about how the people are treating one another in the midst of the theological argument. Paul's concern centers around how the church's words are affirmed in their actions. If this community is preaching this brand new message of love and grace and acceptance for all people through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet finding themselves treating each other horribly over theological matters related to the actual practice of this love, grace, and acceptance for all, who in the community is going to want to be part of that? If I had to title the content of the book of Titus in one sentence, it's this. Paul turns his focus to the relational reputation that Christians will have in their community. So I want to talk a little bit more about relational reputation. Human beings were created to be in relationship with one another. If you've read anything in the book of Genesis, you know that God creates all of these things on all these different days. And what's the last thing that God creates? A person. And what does that person need? Another person. There's even another creation account that says that God created humankind all at the same time. We were created to be together. Everything that is done in Scripture from then on is done together. Moses doesn't do anything by himself. His brother helps him out. All of the kings have different folks that help them out, different prophets that work with them. 
And even if you go back to the opening of the Gospel of John, it describes this really beautiful creation account that said that God wanted so badly to be in relationships with the humans that were created for relationships, God became a human. And in Jesus' ministry, Jesus doesn't do anything alone. He's born into a human family. He goes and he has 40 days by himself, and what's the first thing he does before he starts his ministry? Gets other people. And human relationships are so, so, so fun and so wonderful. Right? I want you all to take a moment, and I want you to think about all of the great people that you have in your life. Hopefully one of them is your spouse, your children, your parents, your siblings, your cousins. If you're like me, you might be lucky enough to have a bonus family, a bonus mom and dad, bonus brothers and sisters, and bonus children. We also have friends, folks that are there for us when disaster strikes, when you need help, and even in those just because times. We have coworkers, friends that match our life stage, friends of opportunity, carpool buddies, small groups at church, folks that sit next to us at the t-ball games, golfing buddies at Heritage Ranch, and people that live in the community with us, the people that say hi when we're on a walk by our house, and plenty of others that I am forgetting even to name in this moment. Our life is full of some of the most wonderful and meaningful relationships that this life offers to us. So why is it that there are just some people out there that are really hard for us to love? Or let's take love out of the equation, be nice to. Love is really special. Most of us in here can remember the first time that we experienced someone saying to us, looking us straight in the eye and saying, I love you. And I'm hoping that not many of us in here have experienced the feeling when someone looks you in the eye and says, I don't love you anymore. And the emotions and the feelings that come with each one of those experiences are so powerful because love is really special. It takes knowing a person well to love them. And this isn't just romantic love. But this is friend love. This is family love. In the person of Jesus, God proved that God loved humans so much by loving us deeply and getting to know us by being a human. Love takes time. It takes effort. And we choose to act out of love. So when I think that Je Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, I think he means that we need to actually get to know our neighbors to love them deeply, to take on the same experience that Jesus took on to show God's love to us. 
And that doesn't mean that we get to just stay in our circles with the people we already love, saying that we love our neighbors. But you know what it means to love someone. You know that when you look at someone, your spouse or a friend or your child, and they're doing something almost always ridiculous, and the only thing that you can think is, oh my gosh, I love you so much. So I don't think that there's a person here who really loves everyone just yet. Because it takes knowing someone to love them. Knowing them deeply. So what do we do before we love someone? When we don't know them well enough yet to do like Jesus did and identify with their experiences and everything that they are. Before we love someone, we must respect love. There's another epistle or letter in the New Testament called 1 John. And it tells us the phrase we have heard many a times before. God is love. And so in Genesis, if God, who is love, creates out of love, Bear with me on the confusing, confusing, confusing language here, but love created out of love for love. God, who is love, created us humans that God loves so that we might love each other. So love is in every single person, regardless of the divisions that we might be tempted to put between ourselves. The thing that unites all human persons, no matter what, is that we were created from the very beginning out of love. So remember this relational reputation phrase that I have made up with talking about Paul earlier. Developing a good relational reputation boils down to this. We must respect the love that is inherently within every single person that we see. Though we were created out of love, we have free will. We have free will to make choices about how we treat each other. And we can choose to respect the love that is in every person. Right, when Paul writes this to Titus, we can be people who are self-controlled, not just the young men. This is for everyone. We can be self-controlled. We can be an example by doing what is good. We can show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So this means that we show honor to the humanity in every person that we meet. Every person that we scroll past on Facebook Every person we send an email or a text message to. Every person that sits in front of us or behind us in the carpool line. Every person driving on the highway today as you're going home. Every person whose house you drive past today. We must respect the love that is in every person. Because they are God just as we are.
And friends, this is hard work. And I'm very aware that I am preaching a sermon this morning that has been very heavy on my heart and challenged me for the past few weeks as I've been thinking about it. But this is truly what is on my mind at the moment. There are people that I have a really hard time loving. But I feel called to at least find the way to respect the love that it lies within them. So what might happen if we started doing this today? Starting right now when you looked at every single person, you might respect the love that is within them. And you're going to feel these human temptations and human reasons as to why you wouldn't respect the love in them. But I think to accomplish this, we have to remain open to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us, it convicts us, and it instructs us. And remaining open to it will help us in respecting the love that lies within every person. And it sounds incredibly challenging, but I can promise you it's not impossible. There are some places where I already see respecting love happening. I see respecting love in divorced couples that still work together to ensure that their children grow up feeling loved. These couples honor and respect each other even if their romantic love is in the past. I see respecting love in strangers that pass me in different places and find a way to offer a smile or even if we're standing in a long line, some kind of joke that um, solidifies the experience we're having together. Even with a mask on, I can tell when someone's giving me a kind look. I saw respecting love last night in my new neighbors that I met. Rosie and I were going on a walk and I was wearing a t-shirt that communicated what I thought about something, and my neighbor was wearing a t-shirt that communicated what she thought about something. But it didn't matter. We didn't talk about that. We talked about our dogs. I saw the respecting love in that. I see respecting love in the people who because of their openness to the Holy Spirit, have some miraculous way to offer forgiveness in some of the most heinous crimes and offenses that human persons can do to one another. Respecting love is hard, but it is not impossible if we remain open to the Holy Spirit. And this includes the digital world, real life, and everything in between. I believe that we, as the people of Creekwood United Methodist Church, might be able to develop a relational reputation that our area and the world desperately needs to see right now. We could be an example for our community that respects the love inherently in every single person so that we might come together because we are created out of love. And today as we transition to communion, it's important to acknowledge that today is World Communion Sunday. 
Now, we are good Methodists, and so we have communion every first of the month. But today, other denominations all across the world are going to be taking communion as well. And what I love about our communion liturgy here in the United Methodist Church is what we're about to do, which is the confession. And I hope today that there might be a little bit of a new meaning when we say these words together. When we confess the ways in which we have not had a good relational reputation with people. And so if you... Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.